Hello. You know what? I have some bad news. Oh, God. Some really bad news. Okay. I didn't use your audio hijack settings because I didn't remember to do that until right before this call. Uh. And then I was trying to do it. And then I was like, well, I should upgrade to audio hijack four. And then it's like, learn more about the new version. I'm like, ah, oh, screw it. Like, I can't. And then it's like, you need to have the trial version that'll add noise after it. And it's like, no, I don't have time. <laughs> this is the wrong time to do this. And so what are you doing currently? Uh, are you using something? Why am I viewing your screen? To record. W-H. Uh, Listeners, Micah seems to be writing. I am using... Y, the letter Y. A new feature in Zoom called Whiteboard that uh, lets you create collaborative whiteboards in Zoom. This seems painfully slow and awkward. <laughs> Wait, let me type some text to see if that's faster. Is this any faster? All appeared at one time, but it took 10 seconds. Oh, interesting. So it didn't yeah. show until after I was done. Maybe it mm -hmm. doesn't show it until after you're done. Um, until It's like chess. When you take your finger off of the pawn, uh, mm -hmm. that's whenever it's uh, you know official. I wonder if yeah. it's the same thing here where until you click, it doesn't show it. Yeah, and now, now you've got a, a green... Uh, square that's on a 45 degree angle <laughs> one would call that a diamond mm, yeah some and i just want to i want to clarify that it's it's completely uh uh 90 degree angles on all of the corners as opposed to another kind of diamond that might be a little there we go oh there you go now it's a diamond diamond <laughs> and it's got a dollar sign scribbled on it for some reason oh wait can i do this i don't even know if i remember how to do this anymore yeah also it's green so is it, is it a diamond or is it oh emerald? that's true it's an emerald isn't it yeah, is your chaos emerald. <laughs> uh, Doctor Eggman wants his cut. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and now you're just doing tally marks, but you only, you did three, and then you did three below it. You uh -huh. didn't do, you didn't do. Oh no! Now I see, I see. It's the S. <laughs> you're doing the S. I don't remember how to do it. <laughs> Which it's one easy. goes where? Is it like that? There we go. I think. It, oh no! Yeah. And there. then that goes there. Oh God, that's terrible! And that, mm -hmm. there we go. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. High schoolers can do it, but oh man, it's... <laughs> it won't even let me select all the pieces at once. <laughs> I don't know what the point of this is. Well, if you think, I I think if you're, ooh, there we go. If you're working in a collaborative environment, mm -hmm. and I imagine that you could layer on like a, um. Yeah, there's an option to to add like an image. So then you could be working with your web designer and saying, "Oh, make the logo bigger on this page." Oh, the the uh keyboard buttons don't work to There. I feel I feel okay about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it says, "Why?" question mark. Is this any faster? KS Emerald with a dollar sign, and then the uh, cool S. Cool S. <laughs> oh, wait, I need to give it a title. Uh, 
Uh-huh. Obviously. The yeah. unhelpful whiteboard. Mm-hmm. All right. I feel good about this. I've achieved yeah. something today. <laughs> I mean, this is this is how people work in an office environment, right? Yeah, this, exactly. This is what real business is. This is how you get stuff. Oh, wait. Oh, I know what I need to do. Hold on. We just one more thing. Uh, we'll do this, and then we'll do this, and then we will do this. And there we go. All good. Profit. Ah. <laughs> now, but it, that's it how you say, make money. Uh, doesn't do a step three profit. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 Let's I see. Mean, how do I? No. I know you said that this is a collaborative whiteboard, but. Yeah, uh, you have not yet collaborated. I, I can't. Uh, what? It just it, it sh- says uh, you are viewing Micah Sargent's screen. View options fit to window 50%. Oh, 100%, here we go. Exit full screen. How do I? Okay. Only invited users. Okay, and who can? Okay, uh, viewer editor. Uh, I like how it didn't occur to you that I, <laughs> I just wasn't doing I, anything. I just thought you were sort of still in awe of uh-huh. of what was going on. Um, okay, I'm going to, and I'll post that in the chat. And now, there. So we I go. click. I click this. I think. <laughs> what did this do? Oh, now I have it. Uh, Maybe you don't have a new enough version. Yeah, because it's asking me to sign in on the website. Uh, so, so Micah. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to do this. Okay. Uh, for for right now. That makes sense. I am uh, refusing to play in the space, unfortunately. <laughs> play with me. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, yeah. But, we'll blame uh, it on on uh, Zoom not being updated. Mm-hmm. Wait, now I don't know how to close the whiteboard. Um, do you, you stop sharing your screen? Oh, I can export a PNG. Well, that's worth doing for this. Yes. So that will be provided uh, <laughs> to you after the fact. I don't know where it put it. <laughs> I said export to PNG and it said, okay. Um, okay, well, I, I, I found I find, it. I find it kind of mysterious what Zoom does with files. Uh you know, where it's like, I, I, it's just somewhere. Might be in your documents folder. You don't know. Could be there. Could be here. <sighs> um, yeah, that was, that was that. Mm-hmm. Twas. So what is Reed Hastings doing? Uh, probably not having an amazing time. Maybe he's going to go get a massage or a spa day or something to, to, you know, just kind of ease himself into the weekend after this week uh because uh he's he's not in a not an amazing spot uh he's also lost a tremendous amount of money um <laughs> for himself personally in addition to the company because he uh has shares in the company uh because the company lost a lot of money uh because the company lost subscribers and that that is bad um because uh listeners might know that uh, Netflix kind of operated in this space where uh, Wall Street rewarded growth, uh, and growth is good. Gro- growth is what leads to things happening. It's it's this amazing thing where someday someone will make more money later. But uh, for right now, it's important to grow the base. Um, and then they hit this part where they can't they can't grow no more. Um, <laughs> And they started to contract since the first time since, uh, I believe it was 2011. 
Um, I'm speaking extemporaneously, so some of this stuff is off the top of my head. Uh, apologies to uh, people on on listening to this who are like, that's not the exact figure. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they lost, uh, what was it, 200,000 subscribers uh, in quarter one, and they're projecting to lose, I b- believe, several million um, for uh, quarter two, um, which is bad. Um, not terrible because they still have a lot of subscribers they still make a lot of money but it just means that they're not growing which means it's time for wall street to punish them um by removing money uh from uh this by downgrading the stocks by selling uh by no longer buying into the the hype that they are going to continue uh their progress forward um so that's bad for them um and it's not ideal and it has led to uh, co-CEOs, uh, Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos, uh, you know, talking on the the call about how they're considering an advertising supported tier, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> something that kind of hinted at previously, um, uh, as something they were looking into. Uh, now it seems pretty sh- certain that it's going to happen. And, uh, prior to that, it was one of those, like, we will never do it. Um, that's not what this company is about. <laughs> you know, we, we're about providing the best experience you can get, blah, 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 blah. We think advertising distracts and whatever. And so they've said a lot of stuff over the years mm-hmm. about advertising supported, uh, tiers or content. This um, is also the company that added the ability and I, no slight to people who use this. You absolutely have the right to use this, but a company that's on a tie horse about that, uh, is the same company that gives people the ability to play back Netflix at 1.5x 2x if they want to yeah well it's that but that's like a different thing um because they when you're getting into advertising you're getting into kind of like a different kind of business um and that requires how you handle and approach your customer base being a different way right now they take your money and they just want you to churn through stuff on their service so that you feel like there's value for what you're getting um, for some people, that is not the case any longer, uh, and for other reasons, including like the war in Ukraine, um, uh, they they pulled out of Russia. Um, but there's other stuff where they're not growing as fast in uh, other countries, uh, and they've li- reached. Uh, I think they reached last year at some point. They reached the limit of basically how much they were going to grow in, um, you know, America and Canada, et cetera. Um, for the the sort of like more traditional markets um so they are kind of in trouble in terms of like finding new places to go to and with advertising supported stuff they can lower the cost of things but now you're trying to now you're starting to get into something else where you're selling ads against what people watch so it's more important to you that they watch stuff um and also that we'll see how netflix chooses to do this but they're going to have to um, offer different ways of uh, purchasing ads against different kinds of users. Uh, or, you know, maybe they farm this out to a third party to handle that. Um, and they're going to have to track, like, you know, all the icky stuff that people complain about. Like, you're going to have to, you know, track what the, like, conversion rate is or something on something. And, like, are there going to be interactive elements to that? Is it going to be, like, at the end of a video, like... Uh, click this to, uh, you know, buy the car that's featured in this Netflix TV show, um, because you're going to maybe get into product, uh, you know, related stuff, um, inside of your, inside of your content. Uh, so there's just 
sort of a, a wider array of things and it changes the way they make stuff if they do advertising um, and the way that people will consume the stuff that they're making. Uh, and on top of that, they are also... Uh, the costs for making content have gone up and the ridiculous sums of money that they were giving to creators like Shonda Rhimes and Ryan Murphy and all that, the stuff that made people like blanch um, at the uh, like millions, millions and millions of dollars that were being thrown at these, these creators uh, hasn't necessarily translated into an equivalent amount of success for them. So there's like a bunch of different factors. So, you know, are some of these people going to start losing their, their deals with Netflix or some of these people uh, going to be start making different kinds of content that is more like advertising traditional, they, more like a advertising content. Like Shonda Rhimes is no stranger to this kind of work from, you know, her ABC shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just like, well, how do we deal with all of that? And so I'm sure that there are a lot of conversations that they've been having leading up to this week. Um, I think that they kind of, I'm going to assume that Ted Sarandos and uh, Reed Hastings knew that they were going to get walloped for this. Um, so it's a little strange to me that they didn't have a better uh, message for Wall Street uh, going into this uh, than they were going to be doing an advertising supported tier pop probably. Um, and that the uh, emphasis was also placed on uh, password sharing, a crackdown on password sharing. Right. Um, and uh, I, I don't believe we talked about this before, but Netflix had um, mentioned this earlier this year, uh, especially in regards to uh, countries in South and Central America in terms of um, password sharing uh, being pretty prevalent in uh, like families, extended families among friends and stuff. Um, and, they were looking for a way to sort of convert uh, the people who were, you know, sharing accounts into subscribers or to uh, have a way of tacking them onto a plan for a lesser amount of money than a full subscription. Kind of like how if you were adding a phone line to your cell phone plan, um, that sort of thought process. So they've been thinking about these things for a while but now they're saying like oh it's an actual problem for us and we need to do something about that to convert these people into being paying subscribers um and i'm not a professional analyst uh you know i i for one recommend everyone listen to uh downstream with jason snell and julia alexander julia is very smart about this stuff um and i'm sure she's got some much more finely tuned takes than i do about this but uh, yeah, it, it just is interesting to me. Uh, the array of things that have kind of been shifting um, over this time period, and it doesn't seem that uh, it doesn't seem like that Reed and Ted Sarandos were as prepared for this as you might expect them to be, because uh, they have all the data. Um, it's them that they are the ones who are sharing the data with Wall Street, so it's not a surprise to them, really. Uh, so I, I don't know why they didn't. Uh, think about this in a better way uh more more uh thoughtful way uh in how they were going to communicate this and their plans uh prior to this week yeah i um <clears throat> i i find it interesting i'm uh was was looking for some of those figures that you mentioned and happened across uh this piece in the wall street journal 
by a mysteriously named Joe Flint. Flint. Steel. Hmm. Um, (laughs) Joe Flint is writing about Netflix. It says, uh, Netflix facing a reality check vows to curb its profligate ways. And this is... Um, it, it basically the, the piece is about how they've, they've put out 500 plus original programs in 2021. Uh, but despite doing that 500 plus programs just in the one year, uh, it seems as though that money, that investment is not paying off and they are planning on, uh, trying to rein in costs and focus on quality over quantity. Uh, mm-hmm. but we've heard that before. Uh, yeah, well, that's an interesting thing that you'll, that's been repeated a lot this week by other people is quality. And it is so variable in what Netflix produces because they produce everything from, uh, Oscar winning, uh, films to like the, is it cake show? Like there's a wide spectrum of things in terms of like possible quality and quality is also differently calibrated based on your expectations when you're watching something so if you're showing up to netflix because you want to watch just like some filler stuff like you just want to put on something in the background then the cake show is perfect for you so the quality is there for you if you want that idiotic cake show Um, (laughs) but you have uh the other you know sort of group of people who are saying no i demand like 24 7 roma um like that's not really a realistic thing um and you know people saying like i just make good stuff it's like that's arbitrary and subjective uh i i think it leads it's probably one of the uh problems that was hidden by netflix's earlier success in that because netflix was sort of like synonymous with streaming that they were an umbrella for all kinds of content. And that now that a lot of the uh, licensed content is going away and it's just the originals that they've been spending a lot of money on, uh, it becomes Netflix's fault for everything that they make in there under that big umbrella that doesn't meet a certain person's expectations. Um, It doesn't, uh, it isn't properly, um, messaged in terms of expectations to a customer like when you fire up the netflix interface are you bombarded with red notice uh because it it just it's the new thing and it's the hot thing and they think it's going to be a success or are and and you just scroll past it because it's not what you want or is it something where you're opening up netflix and it's exactly what you wanted to see in there um so you know calibrating like expectations in terms of quality is an issue when you're saying you're like everything to everybody is like, well, it can't all be good. Um, and it's all going to be different based on even like the kind of genre you're expecting. Right. Um, so it can be just such a wide array of things from Netflix, uh, as opposed to like Disney plus, let's say where they have a big umbrella in terms of like calling it Disney plus, but underneath it, they have sub brands. So when you go to watch something from Marvel, you have expectations. When you go to watch something from Star Wars, you have expectations, etc. And those are like sub brands. Netflix has no like sub brand. Everything and anything could be a Netflix original. Licensed content that they buy in other markets can be presented as a Netflix original, um, even though Netflix had nothing to do with it other than purchasing it or purchasing the the rights to stream it in a certain country. Um, so it can just be all over the map in terms of what. Netflix as a brand means in terms of quality. Um, 
in terms of your expectations and in terms of how they communicate that to users by just saying it's all Netflix, then, you know, it's just kind of meaningless. I, I So it's interesting because I think on their social media um, methodology, they do separate the content. There are different forms of Netflix you can follow. And so you've got like the the sort of indie film Netflix and the animated or the anime Netflix or anime, depending on how you say it, um, or the uh, queer content Netflix, that there are all of these different kind of versions of Netflix. Um, And in that way, it seems like there is that kind of breakout, but it's all, yes, of course, under the the big red N, um, (laughs) as it were. So I don't know. I, I think at the same time, it's kind of interesting that um, that uh, Disney Plus has uh, some really odd, you know, for for folks who think of Disney as the way that Disney is, how they have shifted to having some more um, not adult content per se, but older content, (laughs) content for older folks uh, than would traditionally be what you would think of when you think of Disney. And there was a little bit of blowback for that in the, in the first place, but I don't know. Um, CNN plus, uh, which launched like a few weeks ago is now shutting mm-hmm. down at the end of this month. And, uh, the CNN folks, well, now it's what Warner bros discovery or whatever. Um, Warner, Warner, Warner brothers. We just say Warner brothers. No, nobody says Warner bros. <laughs> Warner, but it's, it's literally, I, I know it's, I know it's spelled that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's no period at the end of it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. so Warner B R O S discovery, um, is yeah. the, the, yeah. the, the Warner bras, Warner bras discovery <laughs> is, uh, saying, you know, we don't think that there is, uh, an interest in having all of these things broken out into their own separate pieces for people to subscribe to. And what's clear is that what people want is an all in kind of service, da, 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 da. but I don't know what people want. And I don't know if anyone really knows what people want because I, I know quite a few people who are subscribed to a few different services and I don't know if there's, I do question sort of the the room that people have for too many more, for sure. But at the same time, I don't know what's better. The old way of uh, having a cable subscription that gave you access to all of these different things, uh, but cost a boatload, or having access to all of these different things and then it costing you a boatload in the end. It's the, it's Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. It's <laughs> Pam... Uh, Beasley giving the two uh, find the differences photos to Michael Scott, they're the exact same photo. And it's just, it's just a different, it's got a different face on it. It's, yeah, it's Spider-Man wearing a, a, a Iron Man suit. I wanted to make sure that I was coming from the same universe so that hmm. the comic people didn't get mad at me. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, lots of impact in that because the CNN plus situation is, I believe, unique and not exactly contradictory to what I was saying. Uh, I, I believe that it is correct that uh, people don't want to have a CNN plus service that is a specific thing that they subscribe to only for CNN plus stuff because there is no way to make 
it worthwhile because CNN Plus is the plus is meaningless. It's not. It, it's uh, it is in addition to CNN content, but it has no CNN content. So it is like CNN like runoff, CNN industrial waste. Um, it is the content that wouldn't be on CNN. Um, vanity projects for the anchors of CNN, etc. Um, docu series and stuff that they wouldn't air on CNN. Um, it doesn't have the uh. 24-7 breaking news component of, of CNN. And we're talking about CNN in North America, which is different from like, if you've ever watched like CNN International or something like that, um, which is available in other uh, countries, obviously, um, where it's a much more like, this is like just news, um, as opposed to in America, where people expect more like personality and stuff like that. Um, so by itself, you'd have to really be full on 100% into having additive stuff for CNN. Um, and if you're already watching CNN, why would you want that? Um, so it has, it, it's been like a big head scratcher, uh, because it is just, uh, so superfluous really. Um, God, I love that word, but it could be, uh, the stuff that's in it could be inside of HBO max and would be additive to HBO max. And a reason that some people might stay subscribed or, or subscribe to because they could get more like a traditional cable package. You could get um, that kind of CNN stuff mixed in with your HBO stuff, et cetera, but they're all kind of siloed. Unfortunately with HBO max, a criticism that many people have had is that the HBO max banner at the top makes it sound like it's all HBO, but inside of it is really a bunch of other stuff. And if you look inside the app, it does kind of parcel it out as as like the brands um, of of it. The distinction between HBO Max originals and HBO shows is kind of uh, not obvious to most people um, because like a show like Hacks is an HBO Max original um, and it doesn't feel in any way like it, it wouldn't just be a regular HBO show, but it is only available on HBO Max. So it is just kind of like one of those weird things. But it is more like it is becoming ultimately more like what a traditional um, cable package would be, especially after this merger with Discovery, because they're going to try to roll uh, David Zasloff, the new CEO, who is the uh, CEO of Discovery. His ultimate goal is that they're going to make one big service that you can't not be on um, because it'll have everything for you. But the way it'll have everything for you is by having that Discovery content, the house hunters, the whatever, and it'll have the uh, HBO content for the people who want prestige stuff. So a household would in no way want to go without it because it'll have some component in it that'll be for a family, but the components will be obvious um, to the family. It It isn't like it's all going to be uh, a pureed mush when you open it up. <laughs> kind of like, it, you know, when you open up Netflix, it's like, what is any of this? Um, it's, it's not as uh, obvious. Sometimes, you know, Netflix will be like, these are stand-up comedies. And it's like, okay, well, that's obvious. I know what that is. Um, that's something I don't need to watch. Uh, but <laughs> there's other sections where um, it's vague, uh, especially the provenance of stuff, something like action uh, or, or like the television drama series. It's like, well, television drama could be anything from like, you know, a bad TNT original, like, or a CBS procedural cop show or like it could be you know an action movie like it could just be across the board anything you want to do with this stuff 
So it can be a little vague and hard to process, and you don't have any idea about the quality level based on the brand name. Um, and as much as uh, people like to say, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a thinker, a free thinker who thinks on his own all the time, and I don't need ads, and I don't need... I don't need to know about brands or whatever. Like people still think about brands and stuff. Like it's why they exist. Like you, you, you would go with the brand name of whatever it is, you know, and if you know what it is, cause a brand is a promise, Micah. Aww. Um, and <laughs> it is something where you can communicate sort of expectations, uh, and people can calibrate sort of the appeal to them. Um, and like you said, with Disney, it is, it was sort of an issue more in North America than anywhere else. Um, when they added some, of the more uh let's say violent uh and uh more darker subject matter or or something let's say like that like that, that's not disney disney's snow white and the seven dwarves and it's like i mean disney's made a lot of stuff since since then uh so it's a wide variety of things um but uh, they rolled in like parental controls and stuff like that. And they're ultimately trying to make a service themselves where it's going to have something for every, like a little something for everybody in the household. And right now what they have is something that is mainly for small children and, um, uh, you know, adult man, child, uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't have as much appeal for, uh, everyone, um, in, in, you know, in having a complete array of things at the moment. But they're they're going to get there, uh, and they're you know growing. Um, and when when Disney Plus grows and when um, HBO Max grows, uh, it, it hurts Netflix for the same reason you said in terms of not everybody's going to be able to subscribe to everything. So if you're trying to manage what it is you're subscribing to, um, you will try to say subscribe to things where you are either currently watching something or you expect something will be out there soon if it is something where you haven't picked it up to watch anything in a month or two you may consider canceling it um and they have a lot of churn uh on other services for that reason um where oh oh the new star trek is out i'm gonna subscribe to uh paramount plus um then you subscribe and then when star trek's over you unsubscribe but that's why they're making star trek basically all around the calendar right now is so that people won't unsubscribe from Paramount Plus anymore. Uh, but the same goes for Disney Plus. A problem that they had is that they didn't have stuff like around the calendar year uh, for certain kinds of things. Like for Marvel shows, they didn't have Marvel shows year round. They didn't have Star Wars shows year round. They just had the Mandalorian for a long time. Um, and so they're trying to ramp up for that stuff. And uh, Netflix has a lot of stuff that they're making, but they don't have franchises or brands that kind of can communicate those expectations to people. So they're all unrelated things for the most part um, with the exception of like stranger things. Season four is coming out um, after a really long period of it not being out. Uh, so th that or a really long period since stranger things season three. So, you know, they have very little in terms of like uh, I need to, tune into the next this series or i need to tune into the next that series um that is branching off of some other content they don't have any way to to move through it in terms of franchises in addition to not having any way to narrow things down in terms of like um like studio branding um in terms of like the kind of production something is uh so i think that that 
that is probably one of the things that hurts them a lot in comparison to their competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that is my subjective opinion as I don't do research in this field. <laughs> so, uh, but, but you know, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, one knows when they open Netflix, what to expect or what to watch based on the expectations of just the name of something or the thumbnail of a thing. Um, they can kind of guess at it, but it'll often be something that is either wholly new to them, to their eyes, or something they hadn't heard of. Um, because uh, one thing we didn't talk about, which I don't know what your p- opinion on this is, is there is a kind of a polarizing divide on whether or not something should be a weekly release or if something should just be dropped all at once. Um, and there is a difference in that uh, be- in terms of not only consumption, but in recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you dump all of this prestige TV show on a weekend and not everybody has time to watch it, then it doesn't build up steam. Nobody really is excited about the ending. It just kind of, it's there. Some, some people stayed up and binged it or something like that. And they might be like, Oh, well, that, that was the most exciting thing I've ever seen. And then they have to do the job of convincing other people to do it, which is, something that Netflix had excelled at when there were fewer options for streaming things. But now that there is more options for streaming things and those things are streaming weekly, uh, usually, uh, then it hurts them because the weekly conversation is about watching the next episode of blank, um, on the service, whether that's watching the next episode of our flag means death, watching the next episode of severance, uh, watching the next episode of, uh, Mandalorian or Boba Fett or whatever, like you can, build an audience over time when people can sort of catch up and tune into something. And a lot of people don't like that because they don't want to wait week to week. uh, In which case those people can just like wait till the end of the run and then just binge the whole thing. Then like, I don't know, people are babies. Um, But the (laughs) there there's, you know, a polarizing thing about that because Netflix has done this drop thing. And that's another way they cycle through content so quickly in terms of the expenses you were mentioning is like, yeah, they spend a lot of money and they make a lot of stuff, but like, honestly, it just goes into a big bucket and then it disappears. And so if the plan is ultimately that someday someone will sit down on a couch and the Netflix algorithm will puke out something from three years ago that was, uh, you know, it was a Netflix original, someone might watch it, but someone's, will someone watch that thing if it was something that was on for two seasons and canceled and it has no future, it doesn't connect to anything, doesn't mean anything? Like, is the process of discovering that valuable to them at all in terms of, like, having it in the Netflix library? Or would it be more valuable to Netflix if they had built an audience for it originally and then put it into the, the, the library after that so people would want to revisit something? And you, I, I'm hoping you don't want me to answer that question. <laughs> No, I, well, I mean, because it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't think there is an answer because people will have different, people will say different things um, in terms of what they, what they want. Like, I don't know, are you someone who is a fan of binging something or are you someone who is a fan of weekly things? Because I know you love your survivor, your Australian survivor. (laughs) Um, The fact is, I, I want to be a person who, who is okay with waiting for a show, but I do like, um, shows that are already sort of 
already done, already out there, rather than waiting uh, for them. I will obviously wait for them if that's the only way that I can, you know, be a part of it. Um, but if I had my choice, yeah, I would not get into a show until after I was already um, kind of invested in it, if that makes sense. Or I would, rather, I would not get into a show um, unless it already had a bunch of different uh, seasons available. In fact, that's what, um, when it comes to audiobooks, if I'm tuning into a series, I tend to go after series that are already um there are multiple, you know, books in the series that are already published so that I'm not having to wait for new ones because my sort of content consumption schedule is all over the place. And so sometimes I can, you know, sit through a lot and watch a lot or listen to a lot. And sometimes I can only listen to a little bit, but knowing that I can always count on there being more available if there is, is really nice. Um, so yeah, I I actually do prefer the the binge method, but I think that um as George, if if I'm channeling my inner Georgia Dow, uh who for folks who don't know is a psychotherapist uh, based in Canada, um and a friend of many a show, uh she would say that delayed gratification is a very important skill for everyone to have. And so in that way, I am okay with uh, waiting for my Survivor to come out every week or my uh, Severance episode to come out every week. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of, I, I, can, I can take solace in the fact that it's, it's a good thing that I'm, uh, that I'm patiently waiting for the next episode to come out. Yeah. Well, and there's also different kinds of shows that benefit from those release schedules too. Uh, because if you have a show where it's like, oh, there's a cliffhanger. What's going to happen next week? And then you can wait that week. Um, or if you have a show where it's just like, man, this like the lost momentum, this isn't going anywhere. I guess I'll just like pick this back up later and then you fall off the wagon. Uh, whereas if you were binging it, um, you might just still keep going because it's right there. Maybe the next one will be better. Um, so there is, you know, different kinds of things. And it really, it does vary. And so I don't think there is a, like a universal answer. But I would be curious if as part of this experimentation of Netflix trying to, uh, you know, get more value out of the money that they're putting into their shows, if we will start to see things on a weekly release schedule, or if we will see things on like, you know, two or three episodes per week or something like that, um, as opposed to uh, we're going to drop a season or half a season. Um, uh, Because they do, do, uh, they've done a couple shows like that, um, where it's just like, here's you know, season 4.5 and it's like, okay, okay. I mean, I guess, I mean, everybody, everybody does that. Like sci-fi channel did that for Battlestar Galactica when they didn't want it to end, um, soon enough. Uh, but they, they, there's, you know, ways of stretching things out. Uh, I, I, uh, there's going to be a lot of experimentation, I feel like with Netflix. Um, and I, I, I don't know how it's all going to go. Cause I, one of the things, uh, when you were talking about like wanting to tune into a show that's established mm -hmm. and Netflix had previously made a lot of shows and wasn't really known for canceling them. But then in the last few years, they basically, they let a show get like two seasons, three seasons maybe, and then they cancel it. Um, and so sometimes there is some uproar over that because it could be a show that has a somewhat niche audience in comparison to like, uh, cause like, 
Netflix has so many subscribers, so many millions of subscribers that you're not going to have a show that appeals to every subscriber. It would be impossible. Um, even something that is widely popular like Squid Games doesn't appeal to everyone who has a Netflix, uh, Netflix subscriber. Um, but uh, just having those niche successes that get canceled hurts <laughs> hurts people's feelings. Um, as I saw a lot of people um, take to Twitter this week to say, you know, like, well, this is what they get for canceling Baby- Babysitter's Club. And it's like, I... I guess I don't think so. I'm not sure that the two are directly related in any way. Um, but there is, I think, a, a perception that you know better not get too invested in something because it might just go away. You know, ah, uh, I don't know. How, I, so yeah, it's I, sort of yeah. the uh, the the Google guard yourself if you're a Google person because your uh, favorite chat application might disappear. Don't mm. don't let yourself on to anything um, because that might end up going away. Interesting. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't real, I didn't think about rather, uh, that being a factor that people would kind of go, Oh, you know, this is something that I'm going to have to worry about. I mean, you know, it's one thing for people to say that, but I don't know if it actually means anything for those people. They may just be like, Basically, this week, a lot of people have pet peeves and um, minor annoyances <laughs> that they, they decided now is the time um, to, to to air their grievances. Um, the, the quarter one results airing of grievances. And I just don't know how many of those things are related um, to the actual problems that Netflix is having. And uh, it could it's more likely that it is a it is a multitude of things that are all, you know, intersecting. Um, to cause these sorts of issues, in which case the kinds of responses that we would want Netflix to have in terms of like their ad supported tier and all this other stuff is in the way they manage password sharing and the way they manage content release schedules and the way they manage promotion of shows. Um, it, it could all vary wildly um, based on multiple like multiple vectors, basically, uh, of things that are that are existing, you know, here. It, it's not like. I don't think it's a situation where Netflix made one oopsie doopsie boo boo and it it is, you know, whatever it is that someone can fit into a tweet, um, I, which is, you know, why earlier this week I, was, I just tweeted out like, you know, shush, shush, like quiet, whatever your whatever your bad take is, just shut up. Because um, a lot of people, uh, you know, have like whatever their minor thing is and like that's the reason and it's like that's not the reason. I even saw like some of the writers for Netflix shows were just like, they they don't pay us well enough and they do this to cheat us out of these WGA rates. And it's like, yes, but that has nothing to do with the other thing. Um, so, you know, they're not related uh, in, in any like super meaningful way. But, I, you know, if you like really, you know, thought about the connections of like a butterfly's wings flapping, then I guess, you know, maybe because the way they do this and finance that show is one of the reasons why that show was a certain way, which is the reason why that show was canceled, which is the reason why someone is so mad that they canceled the Netflix, whatever. <laughs> like you could like come up with all kinds of hypothetical situations for this. Uh, and it's really the kind of thing you'd want to actually do research on. Um, and I'm sure Netflix does do research on um, and the kind of thing that, you know, wall street analysts would do research on uh, to, to discover the actual reasons for things instead of just like guessing yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The guessing doesn't really 
get us anywhere productive. Uh, but no. uh, I mean, if that's what your whole job is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, God, God bless them. Uh, people on the internet. <laughs> Something like uh, that. Yeah. Bless their <sighs> hearts. Mm-hmm. Bless their hearts. Uh, so, you know, I think that's all we can say about that. Uh, and then the other dramatic news you already mentioned is CNN plus getting, you know, uh, Quibi lasted longer than CNN plus. Um, it, it is, uh, goodbye. Farewell. It was a bad idea. Um, yeah, it, it was never going to be a good idea. Uh, I, I can only imagine that Jason Kalar really wanted to like burn the money to like stick it to David Zasloff and give him a problem. Cause I can't imagine why they, he really wanted to get that out the door before he was no longer CEO. Uh, it was, it was just like poorly thought out. Um, but now that there's new management, uh, they're going to just smother it in the bed and the pillow just over the face. And then it's, it's gone. CNN plus is gone. Uh, be out the door. Done. There's some shows that haven't even premiered on it yet, which God knows where they're going to go. Um, but might wind up in the CNN, the bad CNN app, um, uh, or they might wind up in the HBO Max app. Um, so, you know, if you are someone who is really interested in watching ancillary um, personality-based news docuseries media stuff, then keep an eye out. Keep, keep uh, what is the word? Uh, an ear to the ground? Yeah, an eye to the to the... An eye to the sky. <laughs> yeah. A, f- but, a note, a floor, a, a foot to the floor, and a tusk to the dusk. dusk indeed. <laughs> Keep your tusks okay. to your dusks, folks. That's the only way mm-hmm. uh, that you're gonna you're gonna make it happen. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know what to do with any of that, but uh, I don't know. That's I think that's a long enough rant about the entertainment industry. Uh, the, the week could talk about like uh, the the ongoing kerfuffle with Bob Chapek and how he might maybe very soon <laughs> not be in charge of Disney anymore uh at some point within the next you know six months to a year but uh yeah that's i think that's all the entertainment news i have um i think that's that's all the entertainment news i could think of mm-hmm. yeah that, that did it all <laughs> do you have any entertaining news um i will say uh i'm really i'm really loving my studio display um mm, mm-hmm it's how you watch all your CNN plus shows. Yeah. However, however, I'm mm. really struggling being a single screen guy. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I'm really struggling with it. I'm it's once you get used to that workflow, because here's the thing. Technically, this one screen that is a 5K display and uh, is very you know, uh, sort of horizontally long, so to speak. Um, um, it is enough to where it's kind of like having uh, two screens in the sense that I can have windows on the left and windows on the right, and there's enough screen there. But my brain doesn't think like that. My mm-hmm. brain is so used to being able to do things between two screens where I have, you know, content um, that I so like a, a, on the left screen, I have the place where I'm typing things. And on the right screen is the thing that I am referencing while I'm typing those things. Mm-hmm. And it's it's 
it's really annoying <laughs> uh, <laughs> just having one screen. But what's more annoying is the thought of buying uh, another studio display. Um, yeah, it's not cheap. No, it's but not you, cheap. You could think of it as an investment because they update the display so infrequently. That is that part. Okay, literally, yeah. that is the one thing that has had that has been whispering in the back of my mind. It is very true that they, um, since they don't update them very frequently, that it would be. But the other thing that bothers me is that the bezels on this brand new display are thicker than the bezels on the Dell UltraSharp monitors that I had. Hmm. And so with two of them right by each other, now I've got about, because the bezels are about, I don't know, uh, a third of an inch. Mm -hmm. So... And when you're saying bezel, what you're really talking about is... The black bar on the outside. Yeah, the area from the edge of your like pixels on your screen mm-hmm. to the edge of the actual physical uh, display where it turns the corner. Yes. And the most of the, I mean, the, the big reason why that is, is because um, the, that black bar contains the webcam at the top and, you know, Apple wanting to keep everything sort of samey wamesy on all sides. Um, and I'm sure, you know, mounting points and all that jazz as well. Uh, well, I think it probably is uh, for evenness and edge backlighting. Uh, y- the more space you kind of give it, uh, the more even it'll be. Because if you have the ah, oh, that makes the lights sense. like right up on the edge, yeah. I believe it's not as good where you get more vignetting. Yeah, that makes but sense. I don't. I didn't do like an iFix a teardown of one, so I don't really have any <laughs> like insight as to whether or not that's actually true. No, but that that makes sense. Um, so the then the the annoying thing is having two of these right next to each other, where now you've got two thirds of an inch of space in between the two screens. Um, which I'm just not used to. So that's kind of annoying. But I will say uh, our friend of the show, Dan Sturm, was talking about the um, screen on this bad boy. And uh, what I agree with him on is that it seems like the screen lamination um, for this is much newer than uh, the, the panels of the before times. And so much like an iPad, um, it feels as if you are looking right at the screen versus uh, I can remember with my Thunderbolt display, you could very clearly tell there was a thick pane of glass on the front of it before you got to the display. This, I keep sitting up close to it because the colors are so rich and uh, I I like how, you know, retina it is. Um, Mm. I don't know if you can tell there was a difference in audio quality because right now I've got the microphone in between me and the display and there's about, I don't know, maybe two inches between my face, the microphone and the display. So uh, we're, we're all in this little corner as I'm getting close to the screen looking at it, um, which is to say that it looks like it's much closer um, to the surface, which is really nice because you don't feel as much like you're looking through a pane of glass. Um, I did not get the nano texture. I read a lot of things about how nano texture is for chumps. And, um, essentially as long as you don't have, uh, windows blasting light right at your screen, which you should not have. And if you do have, you should try to make adjustments to that. Um, then the nano texture is actually going to make for a worse viewing experience, uh, for you. So mm-hmm. nano texture, no way. Um, I think the one thing that I would change 
But I, it was something that I simply was not able to change because I had to get it on launch day for the sake of doing the review um, would be to wait for the stand that uh, Dan Sturm ended up getting, which is the height adjustable, the height adjustable one. Yeah. Um, I will say at the same time, I'm no heathen and I don't use reams of paper to lift my display. <laughs> I've got these really nice uh, glass uh, monitor stands that sit on the uh, edge of my desk. And there are two of them, obviously the exact same one. Uh, they're glass and they have these metallic legs that are individually adjustable so that, you know, you can make sure there's no wobble. And the height that they provide is actually enough um, to get the display up where I need it. But I still... I, like there are times when I'm, you know, a little bit more slouchy because I'm tired or times when I'm uh, perky first thing in the morning and I'm mm-hmm. up higher and I know that the screen is not um, in the ergonomic positioning that it should be in. And so in that way, I do wish that uh, I had gotten the height adjustable one and I'll be interested to see and we'll be looking closely to see how... Um, the technology or how uh, Apple rather um, offers the possibility to change the stand that you have with it and uh, how much that's going to end up costing. Because for folks who don't know, Jason Snell had mentioned that he heard, uh, was told rather, that um, Apple will be able to change the stand uh, at an Apple store. And of course, that would be a, a service that would cost you. Yeah, some unspecified amount of money currently. Because uh, I, I think part of the problem is, for some reason, they can't make enough height-adjustable stands at the moment. Uh, or, like, whatever, like, there's, like, one screw as part of this arrangement that is, like, yeah. back-ordered. I have no idea. But uh, they they currently have a dearth of the plain old vanilla uh, non-adjustable ones. And then I believe both the visa and the height adjustable ones are back ordered um, into like middle of the summer at this point. Uh, and I'm not hugely surprised by that because the regular stand is not very like appealing. If you like just tr- try to like use your mind to figure out how your ergonomics, your desk are going to be. Um, if you're trying to do like professional work uh, in a setting instead of like trying to be on a uh, budget where you want to say four hundred dollars, I guess. Um, but the the situation is, I, I sort of it's kind of sad they couldn't like see it coming, you know. Sort mm-hmm. of, so you could be like, you know, you know what would be better for the back of this monitor instead of having like a completely different like metal component is if we just had like a visa mount on the back of it. And then you could attach either our height adjustable stand or you could attach a visa stand or you could attach our plain non-adjustable stand to the same mounting bracket. But they're like, no, it looks ugly. We're going to do this really complicated process. And it's like, okay, well, you know, now and then you got all this stuff where you got like people with backordered orders and, you know, the non-height adjustable stands that don't seem desirable to anyone uh, currently. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. Because you wouldn't want to get a second non-height adjustable stand and then take both of them in for some unspecified amount of money to add the height adjustable stand to both of them. You would not want to do that. Yeah. So you would wait to get a height adjustable stand, but then you'd have one that wasn't height adjustable. So you'd have to wait until it was possible 
to do the height adjustment on the other one because then otherwise you have two wonky monitors. Yeah, no, what I think I will do is I will, uh, if I were to get a second um, display, uh, I would just figure out a new uh, monitor riser shelf thing that's higher instead of actually getting two new stands for them. Um, I would not, I would not go the way of trying to get one that's height adjustable because then what's in, what's going to end up happening is I'll end up pref- uh, like preferencing that one over the other. And so that's not what I'm interested in doing. Um, mm-hmm. I also could just get two more of these um, tempered glass shelf things that I have and basically just put one on top of uh, the one that's are the two that are already here get two more and basically stack them um and that would be ideal or not ideal but that would be a solution uh, yeah. however i've uh, gone back through my amazon orders and i the i ordered these in 2016 um and i have since uh, opened the link and they are currently unavailable so mm. I would end up having to buy four new uh, monitor risers. And I'm really happy with these ones because they were a little bit longer. Um, I think I might have missed something. Why Why four? Oh, uh, so as they are, so I've got two of them, right? And one yeah. sits on the left of the desk, one sits on the right of the desk. So it's like it runs across the whole backside of my desk. It's as if you had like a... Um, some desks have like shelves on them. It's kind of yep. like that. Um, so the <clears throat> studio display sits on the left one. Uh, and then I currently have my MacBook Pro sitting on the right one and it's all raised off of the desk. So what I was saying is that if I could have gotten the same ones, I would buy two more and one would stack right on top of the left one. One would stack right on top of the right one. Studio display would go on top of that. And that would be the height uh, that I needed. However, uh, they do not sell them anymore on Amazon. And uh, so... Oh, oh, okay. So I understand now. Yeah, you're I have to replace them entirely. a riser on top of a riser. Yes. I would rise Next twice. to a riser on top of another riser. Correct. Yes. Okay. So we're looking at more of a grid of... Of, of risers. Four risers. Yes. It's not four things you're trying to raise. No, um, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't, the stability of that would make me nervous personally. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't suppose visa, uh, you know, like arms matter to you at all. It doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like it's appealing to you to have well, them that's like what off I used, the desk. I used to have, um, that's what I used to do. I have a dual monitor visa mount, uh, visa arm, um, mm-hmm. from the same company that makes the uh, standing sit, sit stand desk that I have and use that for ages. Uh, but again, I got the studio display when I got it because I wanted to have it on day one or needed to have it on day one. And I'm trying to think of if I were to personally buy a studio display, I would rather have them be exactly matching rather mm-hmm. than two. Although I guess if I did do vase amount on the second one, then yeah. it could be height matched to the first one. Um, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And what I would say is, you know, the, whatever that procedure winds up being for switching the back on these at an Apple store, I, they, maybe the way to go is to switch it from 
your current non-adjustable to a visa. Yeah, uh, it would and probably then you be could have, cheaper that way. Yeah, it'd be cheaper, and then you can you already have the arms mm-hmm. um, that you're used to, and you can just put both of these on those arms and have it be height adjustable. Get everything off of your desk, not have four double stacked riser things, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, maybe that would be would be better. Although you know, again, it, the wrinkle is like how how much does it cost exactly? Um, yeah. Although I, I would I would be curious to find out. Like, I know your employer bought this monitor one. for you yeah yeah uh but uh, i don't know if it's yours yours and you could just be like i'm gonna put this on craigslist and then get another one um that is the visa one or if that is a uh, verboten um with the employer situation that's a yeah i think that uh what would end up happening is it would go if if i did it that way which i, I don't think i would but if i did it would just go to someone at work rather than them uh-huh. selling it off uh to someone circulated around yeah yeah. I don't know. I mean, that would be my personal recommendation because I think I would go that way if I had the money and inclination and stuff. And as we talked about last time, uh, the HDR it, it part is important for my work stuff. Uh, so I just want to have that. Um, and the displays don't currently do it. Not that that's wrong or necessary for anyone else. And you guys all live your perfect, happy lives with your <laughs> displays. Um so, you know, it, it just is, it is what it is. Uh, but I, uh, I, I really want you to get the matching, matching monitors because, uh, it just sounds, sounds, uh, so clutch. Um, and, uh, I also, uh, want to find out if they have the stereo separation that we talked about last time. Oh yeah. Um, I spoke yeah. to, uh, a Renee Ritchie about that actually. And, um, follow up on that is that it does not do that stereo separation um yeah which is a bummer it says you have to choose which one is he said you have to choose which one is the target so if you've got two of them you have to choose uh the target that you want what's interesting is when i open up audio midi settings on the mac which uh pro tip if you've never gone to audio midi setup uh on the mac folks listening you should absolutely go there because it's just kind of fun uh to see what the different devices are that are available. Um, Anyway, if you go to audio MIDI setup and I click on studio display speakers, it has eight outputs. It has uh, primary, front left, front right, front center, low frequency effects, back left, back right, top side left, and top side right. Um, And of course, you can do up to 96K hertz uh, for the format, it's uh, 24-bit, 96K hertz, goes all the way down to 44.1. Um, and if I choose configure speakers, then the configuration is currently set to 5.1.2 Atmos surround. So that is the Dolby Atmos uh, setup. And I was just curious, kind of, because of course this is mostly virtualized. It's not <clears throat> a true separation. And so in audio MIDI setup, uh, if you choose configure speakers, it shows you the different speakers that are selected uh, that are part of this system. And there's a little button you can press uh, for each one under a test column. And what that does is it plays like static out of uh, the given speaker. And so I played, you know, what it sounds like coming out of left, what it sounds like coming out of left surround, right surround, left top middle, right top middle. And they have it, you know, it is coming from a different place uh 
you can tell the difference between the two, whether it's left um, or left top center, et cetera, et cetera, which is kind of a fascinating thing. So that was fun to get to see the uh, musical setup the, or the, the the audio setup that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of interesting how you are able to uh, hear how they've sort of virtually separated things in there. Interestingly, the uh, microphone that's built into the studio display also lets you do 96 hertz, 24-bit. Um, I did not think that it would have that um, sample rate available because um, Max of the past, their microphones uh, did not support uh, 96 hertz. I'm trying to see, let me see my MacBook Pro. Oh, okay. My 16, oh, that's interesting. So my Intel MacBook Pro 16-inch the microphone that's built into it actually supports 32-bit for the bit depth and goes all the way up to 96 hertz. Uh, The studio display only supports 24-bit, does not go up to 32-bit. And the argument about supporting all the way up to 32-bit is that you will have, there's like, there's more more data that's recoverable. So whenever you are uh, you know, speaking into the microphone quietly, or you are capturing the sound of a gun going off, um, when you've got 32 bits of depth to work with, uh, then you are able to capture more of that sound. Um, or that you know, all of that is is available within that range. So that is interesting. And I'm I'm wondering then if so I've got um, my wave link. My I've got a wave hooked up to it. Yeah, it only supports twenty four bit as well. Huh? Interesting. All right, I'm learning new things. Oh, and then also how funny that um, the Mac Studio. They, they, it says Mac Studio speakers, and it actually is available as an output on your uh, like in your Mac OS, but. The Mac Studio, quote unquote, speakers is actually just a speaker, according to the iFixit teardown. And even still, it has two outputs for stereo sound. So I don't know what they're doing there, but it's just one speaker that's inside of the the studio. And obviously, it does not sound good. Um, So it's kind of funny that they even give you the ability to use that. I thought when I saw that it was in the iFixit teardown, I thought that was just going to be for like alerts, system alerts um, Mm -hmm. and the bong sound. But uh, yeah. alas, it is it is for more than that. Um, well, well, I mean, you need to have just like a general output in case there's like nothing connected to it, you know, because then you wouldn't know or something went wrong with your speakers. Yeah, the power went off true. on your speakers because then you wouldn't you wouldn't have any output, audio output and you wouldn't know. Um, so I I know why they have it there and I know why it sucks. Um, like that makes sense. Uh, I, I would be frustrated if it like frequently defaulted to that configuration. Um, I would assume hopefully it does not does not okay yeah yeah because my my current situation is whenever i plug in my macbook um it defaults to the audio output of my monitor which doesn't really mine started doing that yeah i it's bad because the audio output of my monitor is not good because it's not connected to anything because if you i i can't control the audio output um, via like an audio, uh, you know, a volume up and down or whatever on my keyboard for whatever reason, it will just output at a constant volume from 
whatever the the speaker is. I don't know, whatever audio chip thing that they have with this Samsung panel is just bad. So I never use that. Um, but it doesn't want to default to using the audio output of my um, hub, the anchor hub for some reason. Uh, and I always have to pick it whenever I, you know, plug it back in. Uh, well, not always, but it's just on random occasions. <laughs> and it just is one of those things where it's just like, can you, can you just never use the one that doesn't have anything connected to it and is bad? Cause I would be, you know, just like my personal preference, but I, I guess the software is just not smart enough for that. Maybe it just assumes that, uh, I would have, you know, some sort of better monitor that has good speakers like you do, uh, instead of this. But yeah, I don't know. I, Cause you, do you use the speakers from your new studio display or do you, cause you had an existing like speaker setup. I did, using. but I never really used. So, um, I can't remember who I was talking to about this. Oh but yeah, yeah. You didn't take it out of the box yeah, when you moved. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. I'm glad that I did say it here. Um, yeah, I just forgot you said it. Yeah. So <laughs> I am very happy with the speakers in the, um, studio display. And in fact, I had a lot of fun yesterday, uh, which overall, I think it's super gimmicky and it's not something that I'm sort of actively, you know, this is the way that music should be now. But I did have fun listening to spatial audio uh, from Apple Music. There's a really cool playlist that's like it's called Made for Spatial and it's music from all over the place. And, and by that, I mean uh, all sorts of different genres. And so I was listening to uh, Aretha Franklin and uh, Sam Cooke and, uh, some, some classical Baroque, uh, era music and obviously new pop music and everything in between, uh, with spatial. And it was, it was a delight to hear these speakers doing what they're supposed to be able to do kind of at, uh, at their, at their best. Um, I I have, I have a, I have a question. Okay. I don't have anything that does spatial audio. Um, and, uh, but what what is uh, I thought the advantage of it is like you feel like you're immersed in it when you're using like AirPods and stuff uh, because you can when you turn your head it sounds like you're like inside of a space where the audio is but if you're if it's a monitor the monitor is not moving uh, what's the what's the spatial component no of there it? so that that's that is actually it's um, a confusion that Apple has accent like Apple. Oh, I almost said the F word. Wow. Apple messed up. I like, it just almost came pouring out. Apple messed up when they announced two different technologies at the same time and it, they were conflated. Uh, and, and it's almost like spatial audio is actually an umbrella term uh, under which uh, lies a feature that's called spatial tracking. Uh, so there oh are. Oh my God, right? Apple. See? Yeah. So <sighs> uh, spatial head tracking is a subset of spatial audio where if you're wearing the proper devices, uh, which are AirPods Pro, AirPods Max, and a few others, um, they can use the sensors built into those as well as uh, sort of some positional understanding of where the device is in comparison to you to provide what feels like. Um, essentially keeping the display where it is. So if I have an iPad in front of me and I know I'm, I'm sort of uh, teaching to the choir here because you know what this is, but just for listeners, um, <clears throat> if I have an iPad in front of me and I turn on the head tracking portion, uh, the spatial awareness portion of spatial audio, then normally if I were to um, turn my, with, without any features turned on, if I were to turn my head to the left or turn my head to the right, the audio 
that's playing in my left ear and the audio that's playing in my right ear stays the same, which frankly is the good way of doing things. Uh, <laughs> however, Apple introduced this feature that is cool the first time you do it. And then after that is not all that interesting where it will be mindful of how your head is moving and essentially make it seem as if the audio is staying in the same place. So if mm. I'm looking at an iPad that's in front of me and I have this uh, head tracking feature turned on, when I turn to the left, the audio will kind of pan to the right to make it seem like that audio is still coming from the space in front of me. Now, the reason why is because when it comes to spatial audio, uh, this other feature that we'll get to, um, it is a more encompassing feature that lets you uh, lets you be able to kind of hear different parts of, uh, of, of sound in kind of a sound space. And so if they can keep that device in front of you, then that sound space is more believable than if you are moving your head around and things don't change. So that's why the two work so well together. But the bigger feature, the more important feature is spatial audio, which is uh, typically done through what's called Dolby Atmos. And it basically, I, I think there was a really cool visualization where you almost imagine your head uh, inside, imagine your head inside of a, a large cube. And inside of that cube in front of you is the person playing the violin. Uh, to the front left is a person playing uh, the cymbals. Uh, to the front right is a person playing a triangle. And right in front of you is a person singing. Behind you are the drums. Um, audio designers can use this kind of virtual 3D room to separate all the different tracks that are in, an, in a musical production and make them seem as if they're coming from these different places. And Apple uses Dolby Atmos, which is a technology that's also used in films, to pull this off. So on my uh, studio display, you hear the separation of those things where it's using those different... Um, those what I talked about with audio MIDI setup, it's using those mm -hmm. different sort of spatial locations, virtual spatial locations to separate things. But it is not doing the head tracking stuff, which is a whole different thing. OK, well, that clears up that confusion for me. Although uh, since it's all in front of you, um, is it trying to do some sort of like bouncing off of surfaces trick like a soundbar would to try to make it sound like there's stuff behind you? Or how is it handling that? It doesn't seem to be. So this one doesn't have um, like if I go into the audio MIDI setup, uh, setup thing again, this one doesn't have any behind you because they will show you an isometric uh, view of the speakers. And so yeah. the couch is in the middle of the room and the uh, setup is on the left is your speaker on the right is your speaker, but nothing is behind the sofa. The only things that are there are in front of it. So, uh, well, except for those two on the left and the right, which are directly left and right. In fact, I know what I'll do. I will take a screenshot so that you can share this with uh, the listeners and they can see for themselves uh, how this looks because it is a pretty cool thing. Now Dropbox is telling me, hey, uh, can I upload this photo for you? No, you may not. Um, and so there are uh, some speakers atop uh, as well. But again, they are in front. No, nothing is behind. Unlike in yeah. a real um, right. surround sound setup where you yeah. would have that. Yeah. See, that's what I was kind of uh, unsure about is because it's you, you had mentioned the 5.1.2 uh, Atmos surround. So I just wasn't sure how they were trying to like if they were trying to fake it. Or I something. think the point two yeah. uh, in this case is referring to the speakers that are on the ceiling. 
which is that you know Dolby Atmos thing. So that's how they're yeah, kind of faking it in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna send the three different views because there's, I think top, <laughs> isometric, and verse. I mean, um, side. <laughs> I I I got your reference. Uh, reference acknowledged. Uh, so that's all good. I think um, with that, we we we've, we've covered everything from Netflix to speaker positions um and so i think we we, and everything uh, in between (laughs) no other topics uh to talk about and uh and we can uh i don't know wrap it up to put this to bed in its stereo surround bed yeah Uh, yeah yeah. it can it can listen to a lullaby in Mm -hmm. complete dolby atmos surround yeah yeah we'll stream lullabies from netflix uh to the treetop. What if I move my my mouth around the microphone? Does that make a difference to yeah. the song? And we'll just fade out as the show comes to a close. As I move, you know, this is a good workout. I'm sort of, what are those called? Latissimus dorsi. I'm getting a nice. Yeah, the, the the Warner Bros. call them uh, lats. <laughs> the Warner Bros. Oh my God, that's the title. <laughs> the Warner Bros. call them lats. Uh, Goodbye, Joe. Goodbye.